Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to your name, Father. Glory, glory, glory. But we're still going to come from the teaching series, Suffer to Reign, Suffer to Reign. Uh, our title scripture is... <coughs> Our title scripture is coming from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. It says, if we suffer, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. So we have an option. If we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. And if we deny him, we will also be denied by him. So if we suffer with him, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. So it's an if here, meaning there's a choice, there's a decision. When it's talking about suffering to reign, you, you, he wants us to reign. He wants us to rule. Reign means that he wants us to possess supreme honor, liberty, and live the blessed life in his kingdom together. To suffer means to remain. It means to abide. It means not to recede or flee. You know, we're going to go through some things. It means to persevere under misfortune and trials, to hold fast to one's faith in Christ. It also means to endure, to bear bravely, calmly, ill treatments. So we're going to go through things. People are not going to always treat us how we think that we should be treated. That does not give us a permission to be ungodly. It does not give us permission to be unholy. If the Bible says that we are to exchange or do not exchange evil for evil, but when evil is given to us, that we give them good. So we have the way in which we should do it if we are going to reign. Now, our title scripture on today is coming from, or our teaching scripture on today is coming from Hebrews chapter 5, and we're going to teach on verses Seven to nine. Hallelujah. It says during talking about Jesus during his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. He was heard because of his reverence. Verse eight. This is where our meat is. It says, although he was a son, he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. So although he was a son, so this didn't happen to an apostle. This was not about being a prophet. This was not about being an evangelist. This was not about uh, uh, having an office. This was a strictly about being his child. Although he was the son, the scripture says that he learned. He learned. He was taught. He became a pupil, a student. He learned obedience. He learned obedience. Now, he did not go from disobedient to obedient. It wasn't like he was neglectful. He didn't do what his father said, and then he suffered. And then now, all of a sudden, he's obedient. He learned obedience by suffering. He learned that obedience was the right way to go through suffering. 
And this type of suffering right here is a suffering of having an understanding that the Father has called you to do something. He has predestined you to do something. He has purposed you to do something. And you have this internal lifestyle. You have this internal call. You have the life that is hid in Christ in you. You have the kingdom in you. You have your Father's instructions in you. You have his directions in you. But then you have external factors going against the thing that your father has called you to do and Jesus had to learn obedience by suffering by constantly hearing the father tell him go that way but then have people come up against it people who he trusted people who he loved people who at one time he may have sought their opinion People who he grew up in this neighborhood and they knew him as little Jesus, but now he's at this age where he has to reveal his call and some of his call is going to embarrass them. Some of his call is going to put them on, uh, on notice. He came to reveal the kingdom to do his father's will. And he had to learn obedience. It's what we call living inside out instead of living outside in. When you live inside out, you know who you are. The, in Philemon chapter 1, verse 6, Philemon only has one chapter. Verse 6, it says that the, the, the faith is made effective through acknowledging every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. So as sons and daughters, as children of God, it is our job to search the scriptures and find out what is in us. So that when things come from the outside, it doesn't break up who he says we are. It doesn't distort our view of ourself. It doesn't close our eyes and our ears to our personal, the destiny that the Father has given us. So Jesus had to learn obedience. Although he was a son, he was a son. This has nothing to do with him being God. Although he was a son, when Jesus was in that boat, they woke him up. They woke him up because they let the storms of the outside come in to them and it created fear the storms was going on Jesus is asleep why because Jesus lives inside out he does not live outside in and so verse 9 says after he was perfected he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him so he qualified himself by by staying on the path of righteousness for the father's namesake now how did Jesus deal with this? We're going to go through s several different situations. The first one we're going to deal with is his brothers. In John chapter 7, verse 3, it says, His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Verse 5, for even his brothers did not believe in him. So right here, and this is what you have to understand, that the Bible says that we do not have a high priest that cannot be touched by the feelings of, his, of infirmities, but at all points was tempted as we are. So he had feelings. So his brothers is telling him right now, they said, look, leave Judea, 
so that your disciples may see your works because no one does anything in secret while he seeks to be known openly. Now, the thing about it is Jesus has instructions from his father. Jesus knows to maintain the character of his father, so he's not doing this thing to be known. He's not doing this thing for the attention. He's doing these things based on instructions. But the scriptures let us know that even his brothers did not believe in him. And whether you know it or not, it bears some type of pressure. It was some type of feeling. Okay, it did something to his insides, something to his heart. Jesus was not emotionalist. He was not a person who we try to act like, oh, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. No, he cared. That, gives, that makes you feel some type of way when you grow up and you're called to do something. You know you're great at what you do, but the people around you don't believe in you. They won't support you. Why? Because they can't see what you see. Mark chapter 6 Verse four through six, it says, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, amongst his relatives and his household. So Jesus is letting us know, he's saying a prophet, a person that hears from God, a person that hears from the kingdom of heaven, has honor everywhere else except his hometown except where you grew up at, in the city where you grew up at. Now the Father wants to use you. Now the Father has given you your destiny. He's told you to start a business. Now all of a sudden, God then showed you something miraculous and told you to do it and invented a product, and now all of a sudden, sudden the people in your hometown no longer believe in you because they don't have a vision. It's a dangerous thing for you to grow up and be around people, even in your hometown, even amongst your relatives, even in your household, a bunch of people who do not dream. When people don't dream, they will always insist that you don't dream either. I grew up at a time where everybody was talking about getting a job. They didn't care about no dreams. I've always been a dreamer, but the problem was the people I grew up with, they weren't always dreamers. My family, my natural family, was not always dreamers. And so Jesus said that a prophet is without honor. A son of God is without honor. Everywhere else except his own hometown, amongst his relatives, in his household. The scriptures let you know that your enemies, your enemies will come from your household. He said that he did not come to bring peace. He came to bring a sword. And in bringing that sword, he would divide sons and daughters, mothers and, and uh, uh, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, uh, um, um, in-laws. He said that he would divide them. Verse 5 says, he was not able to do a miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. He was going around the village teaching. Now, it's crazy. If he was my brother, you know, back then, not now, like I said, I'd have been selling raffle tickets. Come see what my brother can do. He used to make tables, now he healing the blind. <laughs> Come on now, look. 
When somebody, you, you know folks nowadays, all you got to do is have the same last name. Then the NBA, oh, that's my cousin, right? <laughs> that's how you know it's wicked. That he's displaying the power of God. He's displaying, displaying the power of his father. He's doing mighty miracles, and he can't get his own hometown to support him. He can't get the relatives in his household to support him. You're going to suffer. And the reason why is because they grew up with him. No different than Joseph. <laughs> Had a dream that his brothers were going to bow to him. Got him thrown in the ditch. See, you think that the dream that the Father has given you, you think it's going to start on a pedestal. No, it's going to start on the backside of a desert. It's going to start by people uh, 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 not wanting to be around you. It's going to start by people not supporting you. It's going to start by being around jealous folks. It's not going to start with everybody clapping their hands for you. It's going to be some times where you're going to have to pat yourself on the back. You're going to have to tell yourself, good job. Verse 6 said, and he was amazed at their unbelief. He was going around the village, the villages teaching. So even he, Jesus was amazed. And the Bible said that Jesus knew humans. But he was amazed at how can I be showing you, displaying this stuff to you, and you not clearly see it, but then you're going to reject it. All right, let's go to the third one. So now, Matthew chapter 22, verse 33 through 35. Now, this is the frustration of being a child of God is you are not going to have, that's why the Father has given us a spiritual family. Because your natural is not going to align with it. They're not going to always align with it. Jesus was in there, he, Jesus is, is doing his thing, and, uh, and uh, uh, people came to him and said, your mother, your sister, and your brother are outside waiting on you. He said, who is my mother? Who is my sister? Who is my brothers? Those who do the will of my Father. And y'all going to have to come to that resolution. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to come to that place in your mind where you understand that your spiritual family is the only family that's going to get you to where you need to go in the Father. Your natural family not going to do it. It's too assorted. <laughs> you got crackheads, gangbangers, politicians. I mean, it's too, it's, it's too many belief systems in the family lineage. That's why you have to make sure that when you start your family, that you put your family under the Father. The Bible said, train them up. I know, look, it was a time when I, I was 12, 13, and I had to come to church. Oh, my God. Oh, I did not want to be there. I didn't want to be there at all. Didn't want to be there. You talking about we had to come to church on Sunday. Oh, 
Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Bible study, Friday, night service, Saturday, we had to come clean up the church. And you're like, why in the world are we doing this? I want to go do something that's fun, that's interesting. But the moment I became an adult and I hit a wall, I knew where to go. So to my parents, keep pushing them. Keep pushing them. Because when the, when the rubber meets the road, they're going to know where to come to. They don't like it while they grow. They don't like it while they're sitting here. Not, they, look, they, I can be doing so many other things they be thinking in their head. <laughs> other than sitting here listening to y'all speak in tongues. Y'all sound half crazy. <laughs> Matthew chapter 22, verse 33 says, When the crowd heard him, they were astonished at his teaching. But when the Pharisees heard he had silenced the Sadducees with his replies, they met together to question him. One of them, as an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with questions. Now, the crazy thing about this is <laughs> the Pharisees and the Sadducees don't get along. They don't even get along. The Pharisees are a sect of teachers. The scribes are pretty much lawyers and the note takers for the Pharisees. Okay? The Sadducees were a bunch of priests. All right? Now, these are two different people who believe two different things. The Pharisees are teachers. The Sadducees are priests. The Pharisees are the middle class people. The Sadducees are the elite. The Pharisees believe in heaven and hell and that if you don't align yourself with the Torah and, 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 and your works on earth don't line up with the Torah, you're going to hell. The Sadducees believe in the Torah, but they believe in free will. So they were like the Baptists. No, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> While the Pharisees believed in the, 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 the Torah, they believed in the written law, but they also believed in the oral law, which was a tradition, which means that they would take the written law and then they would make laws to keep people in order. And that became their tradition. But the Sadducees, although they believed in the Torah, they believed in free will, that you make things happen. They mostly believed in karma. <laughs> I'm just telling you the truth. And while the Pharisees believed in heaven and hell, the Sadducees didn't believe that there was a heaven and hell. They didn't believe in a resurrection. Now, these two people ain't got no reason to agree with one another, except that they go against Jesus. This is the frustration. Because, the, because I'm going to do a whole series called Get Out, and it's going to be talking about get out of religion. Okay? It's going to be called Get Out of Religion. All right? And when I do that, I'm going to go into a deeper explanation and understanding of the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they're amongst us today. Okay? If you want to know if a ministry has Pharisee qualities to it, like I told you, this is what the Pharisees believed. They believed in, in the Torah, keeping the law. They were teachers of the law. They believed that your works is what got you to heaven. Now, if that's what the Pharisees believed, then 
Why didn't Jesus agree with them if that's true? So this is how you can tell when a ministry has Pharisee qualities. They believe that the law is what gets you into heaven. They believe it's your works. When Jesus came, he bought grace. He bought the kingdom. He let us know that we were God's children and that the moment we became his children, that heaven was already our home. My proof. Saul is on a road to Damascus after crucifying who? Christians, believers, people of the way. A bright light shines from heaven and the thing that it says is what reveals the truth. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul didn't touch Jesus. He touched his body. He touched his body. He touched one of those who were seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And the moment he touched him, <laughs> and then he had to let him know. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you kicking against the prick? Because Paul, Saul was a Pharisee, and Saul thought he was really doing the work of God. And this is what Jesus had to deal with in his time. People who thought that they were doing the work of the Father, but at the same time, they were keeping people legalistic. They were stoning people for mistakes. They didn't believe people should be healed on the Sabbath. They didn't believe Jesus should eat with sinners. They got mad that his disciples <laughs> wouldn't wash their hands before they ate. They got mad that his disciples wasn't fasting. Everything with the Pharisees was legalistic and Jesus was sick and tired of it. But it was part of his suffering because the father called him to teach something that nobody else is teaching. While they're talking about the law, Jesus talking about the kingdom. While they're trying to bring people up under Moses, he's trying to bring people under the father. And this is a point of suffering for him. Because in the, in the earth, it always seems like the majority wins. One man. One man comes on the scene and say, all oh, y'all wrong. Huh. The, first, the Sadducees didn't even believe in the resurrection. But now, them and the Pharisees are coming together. And then it says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they said, hold on. We need to come together and take this brother down because the thing about it is both of us is religious. If he get the crowd, we lose both of them. Oh, we about to go through it. The Pharisees are the ones that when Jesus said, I and my father are one, they picked up their stones, got ready to stone him. He said, for what reason are you stoning me? Is it for the miracles? Is it because of the works I do? Nope, it's because you being a man said that God is your father, making you equal with him. 
And you can't be under the law and equal with God. That's why he had to come and bring grace. So this is a point of Jesus' suffering because he's coming preaching truth. His origin trumped their origin. He's trying to tell us we come from heaven, from the Father, and, he, and they're trying to tell us that we come from Moses. This is a part of Jesus' suffering. Mark 15 and 1. As soon as it was morning, having held a meeting with the elders, the scribes, the whole Sanhedrin, and the chief priests, tied Jesus up, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. So not only is he going to, he got adversary with his brothers, and then his family don't believe in him. His whole hometown don't believe in him. Then he got to go against the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the scribes. Now he got the whole Sanhedrin council and the government. Luke chapter 23, verse 9. It says, so he kept asking him questions, but Jesus did not answer him. The chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him. Then Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt, mocked him, dressed him in bright clothing, and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, verse 12, that very day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Previously, they had been enemies. <laughs> so, now, In addition to that, Judas betrays him. Peter denies him three times. In addition to that, he has the frustration of training and raising disciples. He got the sons of thunder who are overly ambitious. Peter chopping off ears. But he said he called. Huh. That don't sound like someone who's called. That sounds like someone who on the wrong mission and God ain't with him. Although he was a son, <laughs> he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Now, all of this, his brothers against him, his family, his relatives, his hometown, the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, Herod, Pilate, the elders, the chief priests, the Sanhedrin council. Peter denied him. Judas is going to betray him. And we ain't even got to the cross. We ain't even got to the crown of thorns. We ain't got to the spitting and, and smacking him. We even got to the cat of nine tails. Be honest with yourself. When would you turn back? 
when would you have given up? When would you have walked away? When would your carnal mind say, this is obvious, I'm not called? <laughs> when? You is this enough to make a man question his call? If I be for you, you better eat it. You better eat it. If I be for you, who can be against you? You better know that he called you. His own brothers didn't believe in him. His hometown, his household, his relatives didn't believe in him. Pharisees, scribes, Sadducees didn't believe and they opposed him. The government opposed him. Herod, Pilate became best friends. His disciples walked out on him. We don't believe in your ministry. 72 in one day. What did Jesus say? He turned to the other 12 and said, y'all leaving too? <laughs> and still he has to fulfill his destiny. And this is the purpose of his ministry. To show you what an authentic son of God looks like. To show you what an authentic child of God looks like. Mm. This was a revelation of the father and son relationship in suffering. His will. His kingdom. His power. His glory. Now why is he doing all this? To stretch your faith muscles? To stretch your faith muscles. Because if you start off and people don't believe and you quit, how far can you really get in this thing? And at the pinnacle of it, they're going to want to kill you. Jesus told the disciples, it's going to be a time where they're going to take you in jail. They're going to cuff you. You're going to be put in prison. Don't worry about it. Don't say nothing. The spirit going to speak through you. One man talking to 12 guys, go do this for me. You would think, come on, I mean, out of, every, out of everybody in the whole world, 13 people. 13 people is for this. And everybody else is oblivious. He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. If we're going to reign, it's going to be a period of time where your faith is going to be tested. I said, do this. And people are going to come against it, and you're going to do the opposite, and that's going to mean you're not worthy of the call. And with the call and the assignment comes the provision. You want the provision without the call and the assignment and the suffering. And it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You got to learn how to hear the Father, 
through noise pollution. Polluted noise. People talking about you. People saying you ain't called. You ain't anointed. I told I had two of my leaders tell me, you, you can't teach to save your life. People told my wife she couldn't teach. Told me she told me she wasn't even called. What do we do? Stop. <laughs> you're going to go through stuff. Oh, you're going to go through stuff. That's why he told the disciples. He said, if you abide in the word and my word abides in you, you can ask for anything you want and I'll give it to you. Did you hear what I just said? If you abide in the word and the word abides in you, you can ask anything in my name and you will get it. If you abide in the word, spend time studying. No matter what go on in your life, you stay glued to that word. You stay glued to them scriptures. Have faith in what he said. If you abide in the word and after you abide in that for so long, it'll get in you. It'll become the way you think and you will abide in the word. And then you can ask for whatever you want because what abides in you is what's going to keep you. Good mathematics, right? Now, this is the suffering. You got an internal call. He knows he's called, right? But he has external factors. And this is his response. We didn't get to put that up there, did we? Okay, don't worry about it. I'm going to read these scriptures off, and this is an excerpt from the humility book that we're reading. John 5 and 19. It's not going to be up there. The son can do nothing of himself. I can of my own self do nothing. My judgment is righteous because I seek not my own will. John 5 and 30. I receive not glory from men, John 5 and 41. I am come not to do my own will, John 6, 38. My teachings are not mine, John 7 and 16. I am not come of myself, John 7 and 28. I do nothing of myself, John 8, 28. I have not come of myself, but he sent me, John 8, 42. I seek not my own glory, John 8 and 50. The word I say, I speak not of myself, John 14 and 10. The word which you hear is not mine, John 14 and 24. This is his answer to all the critics. This is his answer. This is his response to his brothers, to his relatives, to his hometown, to the Pharisees, to the Sadducees, to the scribes. This is his response. To Herod, to Pilate, to the Sanhedrin council, this is his response. He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. He heard his father. And he heard them. And he had to stay doing his father's will, no matter what they said. And the more he did his father's will, 
in opposition to them, and he seen the manifestation, he knew he was on the right track. It wasn't about what the Pharisees were saying. It was about a woman that was bent over. It was about a man who couldn't crawl in the pool for 38 years. It was about a woman that was caught in adultery. It wasn't about what they said. It was about his will. It was about what he was sent here to do. It was about him seeing a prostitute set free of demons instead of stoned. It was about preaching and teaching the gospel. I must preach the gospel because this is why I was sent. I know it's different from y'all's. <laughs> but if y'all stuff was working, he wouldn't have sent me. If what y'all was doing was working, why would he send me? Repent, because the kingdom of God is at hand. They said, you teach like one with authority. <laughs> and every time he would teach, the Pharisees would plot to kill him. They would plot to take him out. This is what the Bible means to be a person of no reputation. He didn't care what they said. He only did what his father told him to do. Although he was a son, he learned. He was educated. He got his degree in suffering from continually doing what the father said, no matter what. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane crying to his father three times. I won't do this. This is going to be tough. Is there another way other than this crown of thorns, these people spitting in my face, is there another way other than me taking this cat of nine tails, them ripping my clothes off and selling them on eBay, is there another way than me going to, carrying this cross? He owned the cross. You can save others, but you can't save yourself. He said he could have sent a legion of angels at any time. But he was thinking about us. This was for us. This was for us. Your suffering is for others. It ain't for you. Somebody need to see you stand tall. Somebody's watching you. Somebody's watching you. I told you, it wasn't the well that swallowed up Jonah. It wasn't about Jonah. It was about Nineveh. It was about the 250,000 people that were waiting to repent, and he had the message. Your life is not your own. You gave it. I could be wrong. You gave him your life, not your problems, not your money situation. You gave him your life. Do whatever you want to do with it. You predestined it. You created it. He learned 
obedience by the things he suffered. Pressure of an internal call with external factors. The Father calls us, predestines us. Y'all know y'all like predestined? You know you predestined? He calls us, he predestines us, he gives us assignments, he gives us destinies, and he expects us to fulfill it regardless of what man say. Regardless of what man say. Jesus' suffering was just external factors. But when you know what you know, no matter what people say, <laughs> you got to learn, and it's a lesson. You gonna, he learned obedience. This was, this was through a three-year ministry. This wasn't a night class on Tuesdays. He had to learn how to live inside out. He had to learn how to live inside out. They hate me, I love them. That's hard. That's hard. That's hard. <laughs> Jesus is a powerful brother. I can imagine how he looked at the first person to spit on him. <laughs> Don't you know I will... The Bible said that he was as a lamb led into slaughter and he didn't open his mouth. We got some classes to take. We got some classes to take. You're going to fail some. It's okay to fail. We're learning. When you learn, sometimes you get bad grades. Sometimes you get good grades. Learning don't mean straight A's. Learning means sometimes you got to take the class again. But whatever you do, stop dropping out. Stop trying to drop out of suffering. It don't matter how much you suffer. When you leave, if you leave the church, when you come back, it's still going to be there. I'm just telling you. No matter how much you suffer, if you don't pray, you don't fast, you don't read that word, that problem ain't going nowhere. The problem doesn't leave, you, be, you become bigger than it. This is how we magnify God. Learn he's in us and see that I'm bigger than that. He learned obedience. How? Through suffering. We're going to learn obedience. You're going to suffer if you're going to reign. If you're going to get your destiny, it's going to come through persecution. I told you when we was in Nigeria, Bishop Oyedepo was teaching a class. He said, build yourself for persecution. Build yourself for persecution. One of the examples he gave was so flawless. He said that he was running his ministry, and they had wrote some bad article about him in the newspaper, and somebody tried to show it to him. He didn't want to see it. He said, to this day, I didn't even know. I still don't know what it said. 
you have to put blinders on. You have to know who's aligned with your purpose. You have to know who aligned with your destiny. Stop trying to make people serve God. Stop trying to make people come into the family, okay? The Bible says don't cast your pearls before swine. Stop wasting your glory on people who don't want to be Abba's child. We going we to reign, but we going to first suffer. It's better that we do it together than you do it alone. That's what this community is about, okay? We're going to be everything that Abba called us to be. Amen? Amen. We done.